want to start today um, with um, what's really the last chunk uh, about base base or springboard practices. So two two pieces around base or springboard practices, um, and then and you're certainly welcome to ask more and bring it to interviews, of course. But um, that will be the this will be the last bit about that from me at the front, so to speak. So, there's a two, two parts to it. The first part has to do with insight ways of looking. And um, in a way, this I mentioned it right, right at the beginning in the opening talk, and uh, Marco also in his question yesterday uh, mentioned that. So, what do I mean? Very, I'm going to be very brief here, because some of you... This won't be really relevant for many of you, so I'm going to be pretty brief. Insight ways of looking, what does that mean? Usually we have, or or perhaps a very common way of thinking about insight is, um, or insight practice, insight meditation, is, is basically, one is basically mindful, paying attention, and paying attention as carefully as one can and as continuously as one can, and in that careful and continuous mindfulness attention uh, of watching one's experience, etc., at some point, um, one realizes something. One has an insight. One gets something. Um, and so that's one, one kind of way of understanding what insight meditation is, but also what insight is. So that's great. And there's a second way, which is perhaps less common, but that I tend to emphasize quite a lot, which is more taking an insight and using it as a lens, looking looking in, in certain ways, a way of looking. Uh, so, for example, um, uh, for example, if one realizes that body sensations are not self. One has maybe had that experience, maybe one hasn't had that experience, but one takes that, um, that understanding and then one starts looking at experience, at body sensations, and seeing them deliberately over and over again as not self. They're just happening. They're not me, they're not mine. So it's more active, it's more deliberate. I'm not being mindful, waiting for an insight to come, I'm looking at something in a certain way. So there are lots, lots of these possibilities. What's key about them is that what I would call an insight way of looking brings letting go. And it brings letting go now, in this moment. In other words, here's this pain in my back, my knee, whatever it is. When I look at it with an insight way of looking, uh, it's not just a, oh, that's interesting, it's not self. It makes a difference to the experience. The suffering begins to lessen or dissolve. The actual experience itself of the pain or whatever it is begins to change. What defines an insight way of looking then is that there's letting go. It brings letting go in the moment. Another way of saying letting go is it releases clinging in the moment. So this painful sensation 
there's clinging in the sense of aversion. I, I want to get rid of it. There's also clinging in the sense of it's, it's me or mine. I'm assuming unconsciously without even thinking it. And the insight mode of looking, the insight way of looking, dissolves those. Right in the moment, it, it uh, lessens clinging. It attenuates clinging. So there's letting go and attenuation of clinging. It's two ways of saying the same thing. Now we could say that when we, uh, when we cling as human beings, um, our energy body contracts. How do we know we're clinging to something? You, one of the ways is you can feel it in the energy body. There's some kind of contraction somewhere or other in the space of the energy body. When we look with an insight way of looking, which organically, uh, by definition, has in it the capacity and the mode of letting go of clinging, then one of the things that happens, therefore, is that the energy body um, uh, undoes. There is an undoing of a certain amount of contraction in the energy body. That's what happens. That's one of the things that happen when we, uh, when we look with an insight way of looking, sustainedly, deliberately, deliberately. What also happens with an insight way of looking, as I said, the, f- the phenomenon itself begins to change. As I get skillful in a certain insight way of looking, the phenomenon that I'm looking at with this insight way of looking begins to fade. Here's this pain, it's very intense. I keep looking at it, to just follow the example, I keep looking at it as not self, not me, not mine, it's just happening. And if I slowly do that, starts to, the pain, the unpleasantness, starts to get less unpleasant and even more or less unpleasant until it becomes a neutral sensation. And if I keep looking at it that way, uh, in the insight way of looking, actually the sensation begins to fade. There's no sensation there anymore. There's a space there, for example. Maybe it even goes to, uh, via some pleasant sensation. In other words, what was unpleasant turns pleasant, then maybe turns neutral, or the other way around. But eventually there will just be a space, there will be the fading of those, that perception, the fading of that phenomenon, the fading of that experience, appearance, phenomenon, perception. We say it's less fabricated, because what's central to an insight way of looking is that it fabricates less. Less dukkha, less self, less object. Uh, this, so whether we look at it like we're undoing contractions in the energy body, or whether we say we're fabricating uh, less um, solidity in, in the body, in the, in the perception of the body, um, this insight way of, an, in, an insight way of looking does either of those, whichever, they're the same thing, whichever way we're looking at it, and PT will arise. PT will arise as a less fabricated perception. Same or, or other jhanas. So an insight way of looking can uh, open up jhanic, the jhanic sense. Does this make sense? Right, that was a very brief explanation. Um, if insight ways of looking, I go back to what I said on the opening talk, what I mean by insight ways of looking is insight practices, and sorry for this, it sounds very, uh, there's probably a word for it, but I mean insight practices, I describe them um, for instance, in my book, Seeing That Freeze, etc. So you might have done lots of insight um, retreats or whatever. You might have, um, 
you know, had insights into impermanence, whatever, I really mean something quite specific. If you're not familiar with all that, just leave all this. It's just an option that you'll, you can leave for another time. If you are familiar with it, though, um, what you can do is take that, take that, take one of those practices that you feel familiar with, one of these insight ways of looking, and start using it. Start using it and, and use it sustainedly, just as sustainedly as you would use a concentration on the breath or whatever. And what you will notice is as, as you engage this insight way of practice, the energy body starts to feel good for the reasons that I've just said. Either you can conceive it as it's, it's getting its knots unknotted, it's getting uncontracted, or more accurately and sophisticatedly conceived, it's the whole bodily perception is being fabricated less. As you keep practicing the insight way of looking, the body starts to feel good, the energy body starts to feel good, has some kind, some kind, some flavor of well-being there. As the Buddha said, you don't snatch at that. So you're doing your insight way of looking, doing your insight way of looking, in touch with the energy body, noticing how it feels, and then at a certain point, yeah, it's nice now. Don't, then you don't just snatch at that nice feeling, the PT, or it could be a different flavor of nice feeling. Um, but you keep doing your insight way of looking, letting, letting the nice feeling build, noticing it as well. Maybe then your attention is balanced between keeping doing the insight way of looking and the nice feeling. And at a certain point, just gently, you can maneuver your emphasis and attention so that the primary thing you're into is, and the primary thing you're doing is enjoying the well-being in the energy body, enjoying the PT. Is this making sense? Yeah. Um, so you may keep with the way of looking for a bit, but then at some point, if if you're doing, if you're switching to samadhi practice, and if that's again, samadhi is about the intention. That's what differentiates practice. It's the background intention. The samadhi intention has, I really want to get into this enjoyment. I really just want to absorb and bathe and enjoy to the max. That's a samadhi intention. So at some point, what really swivels is your intention. Uh, there, and to focus on it with into maximizing the enjoyment, getting really intimate with it, playing with those two modes of attention that we talked about yesterday, spreading it as well. These kinds of practices are immensely powerful, immensely powerful. So they may take you well beyond piti, in fact, um, and well beyond the first jhana. They, jhana. they may take you into different formless jhanas, the last four jhanas. Um, formless jhanas. Um, it's where they take you is partly dependent on which insight way of looking you're practicing. It's partly dependent on your previous experience. So it's, it's you know, if, if there's certain realms that you've visited a lot, you've kind of got a groove in the mind and it, it might tend there, but it's partly dependent on uh, on which insight way of looking. So, again, what is your playground? What is your learning edge playground? If your learning edge playground is the first, and you play with an insight way of looking and it takes you into the fifth or sixth jhana, okay, that's maybe not what we want at this point, because you've decided that the first jhana or the third jhana or whatever it is, is your playground, and that's shooting you way beyond it. But it might be that as you do the, as you do the insight way of looking, as things fade, you can kind of pick up on the point where actually it's just well-being now. It hasn't overshot it into this huge empty space or, or whatever it is. 
Make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's one one other possibility for a springboard or, or base practice, insight ways of looking. It's probably quite rare as a way of doing samadhi, but so what? It might be your main thing. There's a second way I want to come back to using it um, not so much as a, as a main practice, and I'll come back to that a little later today. All right. Second uh, possibility... Uh, or group of possibilities I want to talk about today is <coughs> a little bit more with the energy body. Okay, so again, maybe Sabre's question. Every, uh, the energy body I would just view as a whole, as a whole collection of possibilities. Really, and I'm just t- I'm just throwing out a bunch of possibilities. But I'd, 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 I'd count it as one one sort of base practice. Yeah. But what I want to emphasize today is so far mostly we've done the energy body with the breath. The breath as something that kind of stimulates, opens, energizes, massages, uh, shapes the energy body. What I want to do today a little bit is practice energy body without the breath, because that's also a possibility. So we could make that a separate category, you could just lump it into one, in a way, neither here nor there. So let's... I'll tell you what, let's play a game, a meditative game, so um, then I'll review at the end and you can, you can write notes. So but let's just take a few minutes to just, just play a little bit. <clears throat> Taking that time is so worth it to just take a little time, settle into the posture. And that posture has openness in it. So you, you need to be able to feel the openness in the posture. So what do you need to do? It might be a micro change in the posture. What do you need to do to actually feel it as open? And to feel it as receptive? And to feel it as soft? And at the same time, the posture expresses, manifests the chitta qualities, the heart qualities, the mind qualities of uprightness, wakefulness, alertness, resolve, energization. So there's this complement there. Find a posture that expresses that. Coincidenta, or whatever the Latin is, this uh, amalgam of opposites, coincidentia oppositorum. Find that. Settle into the posture, which really means not just settle down, but open out, open out the awareness, settle out into the posture, fill out the posture with that awareness. Fill it out. So, and then opening the awareness 
to the space of the whole body, the whole body space, opening to the sense of the energy body, the feel of the energy body right now. Don't matter what your breath is doing, just opening, opening to that whole space, keep opening it. You're just there, alive with the presence that's sensitive to the vibration, the texture, the feel, the energy, the tone or tones of that whole space. Keep opening. It's not that you open further and further, it's that you open again and again. Just a little bit bigger than the physical body. That whole space, the whole energy body filled with bright awareness, bright presence, bright sensitivity. if you can turn up the brightness right now, the brightness of your attention. How does it feel? How does that whole space feel right now? Sometimes, sometimes, as we just open to that whole space, we begin to notice actually it's already a little bit pleasant. Maybe it's a lot pleasant, maybe it's just a little bit pleasant. There's some well-being somewhere or lightly pervading the whole space. So, if that's the case, notice it. Enjoy it. Open to it. without snatching just at that, let it fill the space if it can. You're just opening up the awareness to that space of the energy body again and again, and tuning to any sense of well-being or pleasantness that's there. and opening yourself to it, opening your body to it, feeling it. Okay, that was game number one. No problem if there wasn't pleasantness there. Sometimes there might be. If there isn't, then it's just, and you're working with the energy body, it's just a matter of uh, staying with it, noticing what is there, maybe introducing some breathing or the metta or whatever it is. Okay, game number two has four little parts to it. Um, Same thing, whole body awareness, stretch it out again get so used to opening up again and again, you're going to do that uh, a gazillion times in your life. Again and again, open. Let that bright presence fill the whole space, 
And within that whole space, let two points, while you're still aware of the feeling, the tone of the whole space, let two points in particular become, if you like, more prominent or you're more kind of focusing on them with the whole space as well. So one point, let's say, somewhere in the middle of your head or the area where your head used to be. And another point, let's say, somewhere either down in the middle of the body around the solar plexus or even a little lower, just below the belly button, somewhere around there. And you've just got these two points. And simultaneously, you're kind of prioritizing (coughs) a focus on both of them with the whole body. What does that do, this bi-focus, this double focus, with the background attention to the whole body? What does it do if you imagine a line of energy or a line of light, say white golden light, between those two points? with the whole body awareness included, but that becomes prominent, this line of energy connecting these two points. How does that feel? Let that go. Find again, stretching out the (coughs) awareness again and again. Fill that whole space with presence, with sensitivity. How about imagining three lines of energy? So these three lines meet somewhere in the lower belly, right in the middle, or that kind of area. It really doesn't matter if you're anatomy is not at all clear to you right now. It's fine if it is, it's fine if it isn't. Three lines of golden white light energy or just a kinesthetic imagination of energy. One of them goes from that point in the lower belly around there right up the center of the body and out through the top of the head. Right out through the top of the head. And the other two go down, one goes down each leg, and either out your knees or out your feet. The important thing is the kinesthetic imagination. It's fine if it helps to be visual as well, but really, what does it feel like to imagine lines of energy constituting, constellating the body, the body shaped around these lines of energy. How does that feel? What do you notice? Open the whole space, open the awareness to the whole space. And within that, these three lines of energy.
can let that go. And again, opening up the awareness, stretching it over the whole body space, inhabiting, really filling that whole body space with this bright presence, bright awareness, bright attention. And now two lines, imagine two lines. Again, one down the vertical center of the body, and another perpendicular to it, at right angles, 90 degrees, across it, across, say, the, the, perhaps the level of the, sh- a little lower than the shoulders, like where the nipples are, roughly. It, doesn't, it really doesn't have to be exact, it's not about that. Nor is it about seeing clearly what these lines of energy look like, it's just a way of shaping the energy. Just a light imagination. Two lines there. Now you tell me, or rather don't tell me, but just see, what feels better? If these lines of energy go out of the body, out, let's say, through the bottom, through the perineum, and out through the top of the head, and out through the sides, or if they stay within the body. Bright, white, golden lines of energy, but more important, the kinesthetic sense, the kinesthetic imagination. Whole body awareness. What do you notice? Last one of this, let that go. Again, whole body spread it and imagine your energy body, your whole body in other words, that whole space, your energy body is a golden white, a cloud of golden white light. So its edges are not particularly defined, it's more cloud-like. It's filled with this bright, bright luminous light, golden white. Again, stretch out the awareness. How does that feel? What do you notice? third little game or exercise is again whole body whole space and if I say to you imagine your body imagine your whole body as radiant and empty empty in the Dharma sense whatever that means to you. In other words, whatever level of understanding you have of emptiness or what that means to you. Just plug that in. Imagine your body, your whole body, as radiant and empty. 
whole body awareness, whole space, your body radiant and empty, luminous but empty. Whatever that word means to you dharmically. Last one, just for fun. Um, same thing, whole body awareness, whole body space, whole energy body, filling out that space. This time we actually want to keep uh, some sense of the, the shape of your body, of your anatomy. So you really want to stay, in this, in this game, you really want to stay uh, sensitive to how that whole body space feels, like where you're sitting right now. But if I add this, can you, or invite you, just imagine an energy body, colored blue, a lovely blue, in the shape of your body that flies out from your body. Flying, it can fly you remain sensitive to everything you're feeling in that space. But imagine this lovely, light, luminous, light blue, uh, sorry, luminous blue energy body flying out. Maybe it does these very free flying maneuvers somewhere in front of your body. How does that feel in the energy body space? loop the loops and what does it want to do? How does it feel? stay connected with the feeling in, in your space, your energy body space. Okay. And when you're ready, connected to your energy body space, you can open your eyes. What have we got here in this little group? We've got just a few little games, but really essentially what we're doing is going to the energy body experience and sometimes, without doing anything with the breath or meta or anything else, uh, we notice it's already, there's already some pleasantness there and it might already be enough pleasantness to work with, enough to kind of coax and gather it into PT and well-being and focus on it. Don't need anything. Um, but it also might be we just play a little bit with the imagination and that starts to 
shape and fabricate the experience in, in, in certain ways. Um, if, it, if it is already pleasant, etc., then, uh, then, then, like I said, maybe you can get into that. As, uh, well, definitely as, as you get more and more experienced in, oh, shall I run through what I did? Yeah, just for the little, does that, would that be useful? Yeah, sorry. So, um, one, the first one is just, just open to the energy body. Forget about your breath, forget about the matter, just open to the energy body, the whole space, and see how it feels without putting any pressure on it. There might be more there already um, than you commonly realize. So that's the first one. The second one is um, you're just really playing, again, with your imagination. It's primarily a kinesthetic imagination. If the visuals help it, great. But primarily it's kinesthetic, in other words, the, the, the sort of inner tactile sense, inner energetic sense, of um, either two... Uh, well, let's backtrack. No, sorry. Uh, what I actually started with was giving, giving two points two separate, spatially separate points within the energy body. It's almost like your mind is paying attention to two things at once, predominantly and equally, uh, rather than just one point. It's paying attention to two points. And sometimes, there's something that does, it just opens things up. And it can also allow things to become more stable, because again, there's more, there's more of a base, a wider base. So we did that as well. Then there's also the possibility of, as I said, using the kinesthetic imagination, which may be helped by the visual imagination, and imagining certain lines of energy. And really, you can just play with whatever. So it might be a vertical line. It might be uh, this vertical line with lines going down the legs. It might be other lines intersecting in different ways. It might just be this kind of slightly amorphous, luminous cloud of energy. But the imagination shapes the energy. And then, the en- then that becomes an experience. And it's no longer imagination before. I'm actually experiencing this thing. And for samadhi, uh, that can become useful. And then the other one was just... Uh, the other two are really just... They're probably less common, but... You know, you can imagine your body as radiant and empty. I said, whatever, even if you're not quite sure what empty means, or you're kind of using it as fairly fundamental. I don't know, when you tried that, did anyone... It was that interesting, isn't it? Even, is that a question, Andrew? No, it was amazing. It was what? Amazing. Yeah. So, partly this is the point. It's like, look, all this stuff is not necessarily so far away. You just do this little game for, a, what were we doing, 30 seconds or something, and stuff starts to happen. And how much the whole thing is conditioned, the whole thing is fabricated. The experience of the body is fabricated by the mind, and the mind, and that's fabricated by what I put in the mind, or what ideas, or what views, or what ways of looking, or what imagination, etc. And even when I don't quite know exactly what I'm talking about, or thinking, or what it means, it, there's a magic in all this. There can be. Um, and how about the flying one? Was that? <laughs> yeah, some people like that. Okay, good. Um, you know, it's not to say you're always. There is a whole other thing which we really don't want to get into on this retreat. It's a whole other thing. But this is just. They're just. These are little just stimuli, trigger practices. Yeah, that, that's how I'm using this. 
to just get a sense of how sensitive a system the energy body is. And by energy body, I mean the experience of the energy. It's so sensitive, it's so um, conditioned and fabricated by, uh, by, by the littlest thing, by the smallest thing, by the subtlest thing. Okay, so basically what I'm saying is you can either go to the energy body directly and it might already be ready to work with, or you can um, play with the energy body in ways that don't really include uh, metta or breath. But metta or breath, of course, will also shape the energy body. Yeah. Okay, I... Uh, Yes, let's say this now. Um, I said most. I've never taught a group jhana retreat before. Um, all the jhana retreat teaching I did was one to one. And in a one to one interview, you know, the person comes in and they report an experience. And out of everything from my experience and my teaching that I know about jhanas, I just will select exactly what I feel they need right now to frame what just happened to them and give them the next thing to work on. And they take that away, and usually I see them either three days later or a week later or whatever it is. Um, And then again, they come in with something, and I'll give them a piece. Uh, And in that way, they don't get overwhelmed at all uh, in terms of information overload, etc. When it comes to teaching a group retreat, I, 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 I have to think differently, and I do, actually, almost every group, no, a little different for some retreats, but um, in these kinds of retreats, I think very differently. Um, so I don't know if I remember being very young and being invited to birthday parties in the neighborhood of the kids my age, and um, this must have been a very alien sort of ritual to both of my parents, but for me it just became a thing. And, and um, so you would go home, you would get a birth, you know, there would be a birthday <coughs> cake and, with the candles and all that you'd have a slice of birthday cake. And then when you went home, I don't know, do they have this in the States? And you get a going home present, which is usually another piece of cake. <laughs> do you, is this familiar to anyone? Yeah. So there's a, there's a, I think of this as like, there's a big slab of birthday cake that's a going home present for you. Um, and so I'm inviting you to think of it that way if you're feeling like, ah, this is way too much, you know. Um, I'm sitting here, this is how I have to think of it for me. I'm sitting here and I'm teaching to you now. I'm giving you something that I hope will be useful for you now. Um, And certainly in interviews, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's a one-to-one interview. But I'm also speaking to you, I'm also speaking to another you. The you that's alive and still wants to practice in a year's time. And another you, the you that's still alive and wants to practice jhanas in five years' time or ten years' time. So I'm actually speaking to multiple yous. And between you, you can eat all that birthday cake. <laughs> I'm all, without getting indigestion. I'm also, I'm also, and for me this is actually really important, I'm speaking to people who are not in this room. Um, this, all this is, if Nathan's doing his job right, all this is being recorded. Um, and I'm, I've been very conscious of that for years. So I feel like I'm speaking to people I, I will probably never meet. I'll never know them. I'll never even know that they listened. They may be somewhere, for all kinds of reasons, they're not able to come. It's not even just a matter of timing. Maybe they can't afford to come on retreat. 
Maybe they have a, a health situation that they can't do something like that. Maybe they have a family or obligations or work, whatever it is. So when I, most of the group retreats I teach, I'm actually thinking of, of other people. Um, that neither you nor I, or I mean, you might meet some of them, I might meet a few of them, but, um, but there's people that we will never meet. And, and they matter to me a lot. Uh, not more than you, of course, but they matter to me a lot, especially the people who uh, would not be able to come and who are out there really nowadays with the Dharma and the internet really in the middle of nowhere and they have very little Sangha and they have very little direct teacher uh, access and they can listen to this stuff on the web, you know. So I'm also in a way to speaking to you, your future selves and, and these people, maybe when you have more time and when you can take more time with this material, when actually a little later on, however later on, actually things will make more sense uh, some things will make more sense when you will actually be able to realize because of what's come in between partly oh, I've understood emptiness more or I've so- something else or you've done other practices or something in your conception has opened or your practice has deepened when actually you'll be able to realize more of the significance of some of the things that are, that are being taught you'll also maybe realize how it fits together which sometimes it might just be just sort of that and that and this and what the hell's that got to do with other dharma I've heard and emptiness and all the rest of it um, and, and also maybe sometimes where you will literally hear things that you're not hearing now you think well I was in the room when, when they said that and I just heard it now on the sixth time I'm listening or whatever um, so it could be you in the future with your daily home practice, off retreat, and just giving yourself a period of time when you're really getting into jhana practice. It could be you in some time and you've decided to do a three-year jhana retreat just on jhanas. Um, and why not, if you want to? That would be a beautiful thing to do. And my hope is that the material in this retreat will serve you all through those three years. That there is, you, you basically have what you need. So that's how I'm thinking of it. And... Um, I know that some of I know that some of you it's no problem. But I know that some of you are struggling with with uh, all this stuff. Um, so that's the way I get my head around it: is open the view, open the view, uh, time wise, people wise, etc. If if um, someone said to me, I don't know when it was, a year or two ago, you know, I hate it. I hate when you talk about sensitivity, Rob. And, and that word subtle it really winds me up um, and with this person I think partly was pushing on a, a self view that they had that they weren't sensitive and they couldn't be subtle and, and all that stuff um, but actually I'll, I'll come back to that so I, I just, I'll come back to that in a second um, let's, let's get clear before I come back to that let's get clear What's the, the, the simplest big picture thing I need to be clear about? We talked about a base practice or a springboard practice, right? And the criterion where the, 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 most, the, the most preferable criterion we're, we're uh, adopting for what should my base or springboard practice be is whatever is, whatever is, um, whatever practice is makes PT easiest uh, to arise uh, and, and most reliably. That's it. So I choose my, my base practice, my, whatever practice 
gives rise most reliably and most, most easily to PT. Or, well, let's not even say PT, to feeling good in this space, to the body feeling good. Yeah, let's just actually say that, not even PT. So that's one, one large principle, of just in terms of if, if you feel a bit lost, that's one large principle. Second large principle in terms of the instructions, like a simple global take on the instructions. There's a base practice, how do I choose that? Second is this idea of a learning edge playground. And what is that? It, I want to find what my learning edge playground is and I want to marinate in it. I want to hang out there. That's the place where I spend 90% of my time, if I can. And that marinating includes working, playing, tweaking. It doesn't mean just kind of hanging out there, you know, in some kind of stupor or non-responsive, non-attuned, non-active playing way, right? So what's my learning edge playground? And I need to marinate in there, which includes working, playing, and tweaking. And I need to work, play, tweak until that learning... I have mastered all, all the... Um, what do you call the thing in the playground, the slide, and the, all those? Uh, yeah, but the collective word, equipment. All the equipment. Until I've mastered all the equipment, that's somehow not a very romantic word. But until I've mastered all the equipment in that particular playground, so I want to marinate there, and I want to master both of which take working, playing, tweaking. If as you're listening to this, you can already do A, B, C uh, of what I listed of the mastery um, and what's involved in mastery, but you can't do D, whatever that is, um, then D is exactly what you need to be working and playing with and, and working on, on doing. That's where you want to fill out your, your sense of what mastery is there. If you can do all the elements of what's involved in mastery at a certain level, let's say with the first jhana, whatever it is already, then either it should be the case that naturally, organically, by that point, the second jhana has already appeared, just naturally, inevitably. That's usually the case. It's already evolved to the next jhana, for example, the second jhana from the first. If it's not the case, if you've really got all the mastery down, it's still not the case, then it needs a little bit of um, uh, wizardry, trickery, subtle little things you can try that just nudge it and encourage it to uh, encourage that, that um, uh, sapling, that the sprout to come, the bud to, to, to unfold and show itself. So that's what you need to bring to interviews, um, or if not, we don't, we'll obviously get to it um, in, the, in the teachings. Um, so when we talk about playground, it could be any jhana, okay? Um, but your playground could also be still the base springboard practice. It doesn't matter. What matters is the big principle and orienting, understanding those basic principles. Does that make sense? So that's the big picture of orienting to, to these instructions. And I started to say before, if, if um, you know, very little of this energy business makes sense or this talk about sensitivity and subtlety and... Um, and, or perhaps like this person I was talking about, just I really don't like all this talk about energy and attunement and subtlety and sensitivity. If that's the case, and if you're not even sure which base practice, which springboard practice um, actually feels best, um, then just choose one. Actually, I don't think this is the case for anyone at this point in this room. Um, either that... Uh, well, um, 
I don't, but I'll say it anyway. Just choose one. For example, just choose the breath at the nostrils or in the abdomen. And if you don't like all this talk about sensitivity and energy and da da da, um, then just concentrate on that point. Concentrate on the feelings and sensations of that point. When the mind gets distracted, come back to it and concentrate on it again. And when the mind gets distracted again, con- return and concentrate without judging, without any to do. Just come back again and again and again. Return. Uh, uh, a Googleplex time. You know what a Googleplex is? It's the biggest 10 to the 10 to the 10. Or something. Is that right, Pekka? 100. Anyway, it's a very, it's a lot. <laughs> it's really just over and over and over. It's a really basic instruction. Just do that, okay? To which we'll add two more pieces of instruction. One is when a hindrance arises, do not sit there putting up with it. Do something about it. From that list that we gave, just do something about the hindrance. Second piece of instruction, can I um, learn to refine my concentration a little bit, which means playing with those three things I said, intensity, delicacy, and directionality. In other words, play with those, learn to move the sliders up and down, turn the dials up and down. So if you don't like any of this other stuff, just do that. And do that and trust in it, and it will deliver its fruit. Okay. Okay, so maybe we'll cut there and. Uh... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharma Seed dot org slash donate